Hello, everybody. Quick sound check. Can you hear us okay? Just uh, type into the chat if you can hear us all right. And this is our Convergent Trader Fireside Chat. And we just want to welcome everybody from wherever you are in the world. And uh, it's almost Christmas. And we're here today with our head traders, Futures Trader 71. Most of you will know who he is because you listen to his Trader Bite every morning. Yeah. But he is also one of the most generous guys I know. He has a wealth of trading wisdom and experience, and he just shares that selfishly. And uh, we're glad to have him on tonight. And then we got Long, Short, and Flat, which is going yes. under yes. Ken's Sorry. name. Yes. Yeah. So you want to hold on? We're still getting a number of people coming in. So let's 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 you give it a couple people minutes are, for people. people are coming late to the party. Well, no, it's go to. Everybody can't come in at the same time, so let's ah. just wait a couple okay. minutes for everybody to come in. Yeah. And then don't forget the disclaimer. I have. You got to you gotta read that disclaimer at the bottom before we start. Oh, I'm gonna love reading that. I I I'm just so grateful that past performance is non indicative of future results. <laughs> So can yeah, people so hear us okay? We should be, yeah, we should be. There are still people streaming in here, um, but uh, it, it is important for everybody to know that derivatives trading is not suitable for all investors and past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. And yes, this is recorded. You won't believe the number of times we've been asked this, but it is recorded. And as long as you're registered, you're here, but as long as you're registered, you'll always get a public event follow-up okay so i i would say go for it jeff uh, thanks for taking us on as a host all right well i do just want to read this derivatives trading involves substantial risk of loss is not suitable for all investors past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results and all of you that are out there struggling with trading you can say thank god for that <laughs> okay so let's get started so i want to introduce everybody for those that didn't hear futures trader 71 he is um, he does the trader bite, which most of you've probably heard, but he's also one of the most generous guys that I know out there. He has an absolute wealth of trading experience and wisdom. And he's a person that just shares that selfishly, like um, or unselfishly, sorry. Sometimes I hear him talk about things in the trader bite. I'm like, hey, that's all convergent stuff, and you're just giving all that out there. But uh, he does that. That's the kind of guy he is, and we're glad to have him on here tonight. And then we've got long, short, and flat, who you'll see up there is uh, Ken Katzen. He's also here, and he's a great guy. He is the primary interest rate trader in the room. Very generous with his knowledge of the 10-year note, and uh, quite active every day. Um, he's a guy that I look at as just, you know, he's just Mr. Consistent, and uh, somebody you can always reach out to. He's, he's really good. And then there's uh, Tendex, which uh, he's on the screen there as Joseph. How do you say that last? Is that a... Abood, how do you? Abood. Abood. Make sure I get it right. So uh, yeah. he's here. He has a he has a real no nonsense approach. Um, he's that guy that I find who's uh, no nonsense. Like he'll be quick to call it any BS as he sees it, but he also is uh, just as quick to lift everybody else up and uh, help them get to uh, get to his level. And uh, myself, uh, Nanaimo Trader, um, Jeff, I'm the, the host and going to be helping to moderate this tonight. And I'm also a, a trader. I exclusively day trade the Russell 2000 futures. 
And then um, we're gonna have lots of questions, lots of talk here tonight, but I wanna thank everybody for coming, wherever you are in the world, thanks for showing up. And especially, big shout out to our Convergent members, the people who show up every day at Convergent, couldn't do this without you. Thanks guys for showing up. This is awesome, we are glad you're here. So what's a fireside chat all about? Well, many people, if you're in the, uh, it already in Convergent, you'll know what this is all about. But it's, we get together as traders. We're um, we're pretty casual when we talk about it. We'll start talking about trading journeys. There's uh, times where some epiphanies will come up. Um, we get into war stories, um, lessons learned. And we'll just we'll just get into kind of whatever else comes up. And um, there's some of us even have. Uh, fairly new children. You might hear them in the background somewhere. There's a, there's a couple guys. But uh, we, we have, we're pretty relaxed, but I think you're gonna find tonight there's, um, there's a lot of great stuff that's gonna get talked about. And then before we get going with the rest of it, Murad, is there anything you would like to say? Before we jump into this, no, this is fun. I'm, I'm glad I'm not hosting. Of course, there's also Yoda who is uh, moderating yes. as well. The guy you'll hear interrupt in the background. He's normally not this rude. He's a Canadian guy. He's a very nice guy, but uh, he'll he'll punch in uh, with whatever questions you have. When he sees a relevant question, he will interrupt and uh, and pitch it into the middle here. Uh, so we can address it. But uh, the 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 real uh, the real sense of where we're headed here is just as Jeff uh, discussed. This is really informal, uh, and and it's about it's not about showing setups and um, a technical analysis or anything like that. This is really a chance to just kind of uh, participate with uh, with with experienced traders on how they got there, what their background is and stuff. And it's it's hard in this business to find legitimate professional traders. And it's even harder to get them to come out and talk. And that's what we're doing. So we're addressing a, a demand uh, and need for people to, to just connect with those who are uh, doing this day in, day out professionally as their main, uh, as their main job. So this is what this is all about. That's great, thanks. So I'll, I'll start with a question I just want to throw out there because, you know, we're all sitting here at home. Um, most of us are. And then, uh, you know, as it came to me, it's like, what are some of the edges that a discretionary trader might have? Um, are there any edges a private trader sitting at home, you know, in, in a office somewhere would have versus, say, an institutional trader? And um, before you guys... Uh, make jokes about the hell beneath us with the fire we are we are still all good we're not burning here <laughs> but, but anybody want to jump in on that and, and comment about i mean there's lots of talk about what the institutions have faster speed you know lots of access to capital research but what are some things a discretionary trader might have just being able to be at home next question yeah that's a 10x question how about it yeah i'll, I'll take it guys all right. So I think that this is a it's a somewhat multifaceted question because it really matters. I think the instruments that you're looking at as well. So are there advantages or edges that a discretionary trader could have that like an at home retail trader could have 
that maybe institutions don't? I believe the answer is yes, but it's not a blanket yes. It's very, you have to pay attention to like the type of instruments you're looking at and specifically like why you think you would have that. So let me give an example. A lot of large institutions, and just if for anybody out there that doesn't know, I used to work for JP Morgan, a large investment bank here in New York. So I'm familiar with how the institutional world is generally functions in terms of investments and trading and all of that. And what I can tell you is that a lot of institutions, they have limits on like the type of stocks that they can get into, the amount of risk that they can take on certain things. Not every large institution is going to be able to get involved with the same type of, let's just say equities or like smaller cap stocks that a retail trader could get involved in. Or it just flies under the radar and like they just don't care about it. So it's like if any, and when I'm talking small, I'm not talking like, you know, $5 million market cap or something, anything that's under like 300 million market cap, 500 million, I mean, I'll tell you right now, like most institutional guys, they just don't care about that. Like they don't pay much attention to it. Like on our research desks, we never got much like incoming calls about the companies that were just you know, smaller. They're not billion dollar market cap companies. So this gives you, I think as a retail trader, it allows in the stock world, in the equity world, or even options on those plays, it allows that person or those group of people, however it may be, to be able to find like a niche there where it's like underlooked companies for whatever reason. Um, I think that is a perfectly legitimate area where a retail trader could say, you know what? I know why I have an edge here because not a lot of people are watching these products. Now, if you go and you look at like some of the futures products, if you look at the big things like the S&P 500 or anything that trades like relative to like the most widely followed indices in the world, you're not going to get your edge from information. I don't think you're going to get your edge from the ability to react psychologically inappropriately to the type of positions that you have on. So when you're an institutional investor, you know, you have to report stuff quarterly. You have, you know, investors that you have to keep apprised of keeping certain percentage of your allocation within like tech or within like broader equities or US equities or international. It doesn't matter what it is. Whereas like the retail guy can have an edge there because they can get the exposure and be able to hold on to these positions differently than the institutional guys can. That's where I think you're going to find uh, an edge as a, as a guy operating in retail at one of those two places. If you think you're going to get better information than the big guys, you're fooling yourself. If you think, you know, if you get the next fancy order flow tool that that's going to give you like so much insight and it's just going to be so easy after that, you're fooling yourself. Like that's not where you're going to find it. In my opinion, you're going to find it like within yourself and how you manage positions or looking at areas that are offlooked. Joe, I think 300 people just dropped out when you said you can't get a tool to get an edge. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> I had this magic eight ball indicator. In. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Working yeah. for eight months. So I, I can't mean, just buy a piece beat. of software and, and make money. Is that what you're saying? I think it's perfectly legitimate for a re like I, I think we should step back and like I think we should all just say like what is an edge 
like uh, when you're talking point. about an edge, like what is when somebody says like I have an edge, what are they saying? Effectively, in my opinion, they're saying that depending on whatever they are doing over time, the expected outcome. And if you look at it mathematically, you know, like the the average expected outcome over a series of currents, not one trade, not two, but call it like a hundred. They're expecting to be profitable because the odds are in their favor for whatever reason. So then you got to drill down into like why, like what what tilts the odds in your favor? Like, so there's multiple ways I think you can get an edge. You can either be have an informational edge where like you just know something that the counterparties or other people don't know. Um, I think a lot of institutions tend to have those edges. Um, if you look at like some of the hedge funds when they're reaching out to uh, the bulge bracket investment banks and they're looking at all this research and, and they're talking to the analysts, they're not calling these guys so that they can get Tesla's price target. Like that's a joke. We don't give a shit about that. Like we've got our own models running in the background. We're doing all this. We're calling because we want access, access to management access to supply chain checks, access to information that maybe other people don't have. That is an informational edge. And if you think you're going to get that as a retail guy, you're not. Like, that's not where you're going to find it. But I think there's other edges. Like, you could have an informational edge and you could also have a psychological edge, right? And by psychological edge, I mean the time frame that you're trading is in line with your mentality. You're willing to hold the risk. You're willing to accept the risk that a lot of people aren't. Things like that. I think that's where you're going to find an edge as a retail guy in, in that realm. I was just going to add to that. I think that's exactly right. Um, and I come at this a little bit from a little bit different aspect, I guess, more as a fund manager. We did value investing to start with before futures, probably 10 or 12 years ago. And you know, it's funny, it, it, that's exactly true about flying under the radar. Nobody cares about the 200, 300 million dollar companies, you know, it makes no difference. But psychology of investing is, is very underrated and I, I think very much overlooked. Just because somebody runs, and you can think about this, your favorite mutual fund, whoever, just because somebody runs a $5 billion mutual fund or hedge fund or insurance company portfolio, whatever, it does not mean that they are not subject to the same things that the traders in all time frames are concerned about fear risk whatever it is, the other things that affect you psychologically fear of missing out fear of losing too much money so i think that's a big area where the average retail trader would have a leg up on institutions is is recognizing the psychology of investing and controlling it, controlling risk, dealing with your emotions. I think that that is an area that you, if you pay attention to it, that'll give you, I think, an edge. I like that. Let me throw one last thing, one thing real quick. Being yeah. nimble as well, Right. That that's a big sure. thing. Like an, a, an institution cannot be as nimble in getting into and out of positions as a retail person can. So that opens up your universe to what you can actually invest in and how quickly you can get in and out of things or how you might hedge it, et cetera. Well, Tindex, that, that's one of the cool things too about having being independent or whether you're small or, or medium range, whatever, in, in terms of asset size capitalization, is you don't have to go to a board of directors 
or an investment committee or whoever to, to decide, well, look, you know, Intel opened up down 5%. Well, you know, let's call, we need to get the investment committee together. And that's, that's a great thing. That's a, that's a big advantage that the guy sitting at home has is he doesn't have those levels of authority to deal with. And, and just a quick, could you define what being nimble means, Joe? I, I don't want to assume anything or have people that are listening think something different than what I think it is. So, I mean, like when you're trying to get into a position, if you're an institution, right, like you have to, you have to pay attention to, and I mean, obviously institution is a broad moniker, right? Because yeah. an institution can be a mutual fund, it could be a hedge fund, it could be an investment bank desk, you know, managing different, it could be options, it could be derivatives, it could be anything. Broadly speaking, though, when you're an institution, you have mandates, you have things you have to um, stay within the risk parameters of and all of this. As a retail guy, you don't have any of that, right? So you could just say, oh, I see an opportunity. And don't get me wrong, like that could work against you as well, right? Like it could blow you up. <laughs> but if you're prudent about it, you can use that to your advantage and you can get into and out of things much quicker. Like if news hits the tape and you just say, oh shit, this is not good, I'm out. And you're all out. I mean, you're out maybe in like one trade. Right. And one tick, maybe. Yeah, one tick, exactly. As opposed exactly. to sweeping the book five points or, you know, 30 ticks or something to get out of 10,000 contracts. Spending the afternoon trying to get out of something, yeah. Yeah, or spending, that yeah, having good. three yeah. guys on a trade desk work on getting you out. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, we, we you covered a little bit is the a big advantage to being an individual trader which we call here a retail trader, but the big advantage is I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything. I don't feel well today or it's not my market. You know, the last couple of days, the market's been kind of log jammed with a big move at the close. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to, I don't have people calling me to say, hey, you're, what's my return? Why is my money not working for me? Why are you in cash? Um, as an individual trader, we can decide not to trade, which which is a big edge. It's a position in the market. You could be long, short, you could be flat, long, short, or flat. That's Ken Katzen's handle on Twitter. Um, and that's a big that's a big edge. We don't have to carry stuff home. Like I'm not sitting here holding a you know a six hundred million dollar book overnight or over a weekend into an election that I have to go into the options market, the derivatives market, maybe ETFs to hedge off uh, the risk. It's it's much lower impact. That's the the high side, the higher time frame side. The opposite side is the edge that we more often talk about that we see in forums and chats and things like that, even within Convergent is, oh, these computers are taking over. You know, I'm not co-located at, the CME at Aurora down here uh, to get my, you know, 300 nanosecond fill, you don't have to operate in, at that level either. You know, we can, this is why we have the advantage of being able to use order flow to an extent. Um, but we don't want to operate in such a small time frame like scalping and playing the book all day long. We can find a spot that gives us an edge. And really, at the, the bottom line is an edge is any approach to the market that leans the return versus the risk to your favor. And that could be mm -hmm. a moon cycle, the farmer's almanac. There are 
many, many edges. It could be just one indicator you use. It could be a certain candlestick. It doesn't matter what it is. So people talk about edge as if it's like some secret sauce in a vault in a, underneath Fort Knox, like the Coca-Cola formula or something. Your edge is something that's a lot that's living and it changes over time. There is no code to crack. It's not like that movie Pi, where you bust your ass, you you come up with this code, and boom, you're you're like running the Renaissance Fund and managing fifty billion dollars. It does not work that way. It is a constant change. Since I met Tendex. I've picked up a lot of things that I've turned around and 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 uh, made available to a lot of traders who follow. I pick up I've picked up things from Ken. Uh, I see Jeff and Jeff's evolution at Convergent from somebody who's occasionally trading to someone who's taken on a product and done the work and has become a head trader for the RTY. You know these are these are things that evolve and there will be a period where I'm losing money every day, and my edge is blunted by the current uh, market regime. So I know we beat this uh, to death, but it's just a I'm, huge spectrum. It's kind of like I'm going to beat it to, to yeah. death. Just just before, you know, just one more whack at it, and then something else. And and again, you know, I, I've already talked about psychology, so I'm not going to go there again. That's my but, next question. <laughs> <laughs> is this going to be recorded? I just want. <laughs> No, it will not be recorded. Oh, well, but thank you, Yoda. Now my now my day is complete. Thank you. The only other thing I was going to say about Edge is, you know, you have to know yourself. You have to know what you're good at, where your strengths and weaknesses are. And just like you know, Tendex, you know, we've all talked about not being an institution. You don't have to report to somebody, so that can be something that's in your favor. But also, again, knowing knowing what you're good at. Um, as far as, I mean, if there's a question about it, people approach trading differently. You know, you, they're like they say, not sure why you'd want to, but there are lots of ways to skin a cat. 10X, for example, reading the tape, I, I am not gonna quibble about that. Everybody has their strong suits. If I would look at something medium term investment wise, uh, I'll tear through the balance sheets, income statements, cash flows, and I'll go head to head with Paul Tudor Jones or whoever else. I, I don't care. That's I, I know what my strengths are and managing money across the board. So just to finish up, an edge is not only the things that we talked about before. It's also knowing and recognizing and exploiting what you're good at. Yeah, thanks, guys. That's a good point. And now that we found that there's no secret uh, sauce or holy grail at the end of the uh, webinar. FT, I think we just lost another 200 people. <laughs> no, this is all good. So you mentioned um, the psychology a little bit, and yeah. um, Ken, yes, I think sir, you. Can I interrupt? Yeah, jump in. Before we go, I've got a ton of questions on this topic, and maybe before we go on to a new topic, can we uh, get to a few of the questions that have been asked on this topic? Sure. Can we? But can we? Uh, can we just uh, because we spent so much time on this one okay. question? Uh, we can double back. If it has to do with edge, it's going to come up again and again throughout this discussion because that's how we make money. But uh, I, I think let's hit some other areas and then come back. What do you think, Jeff? 
I think it's good that if we if we if we keep going because part of it, guys, for all of you that are out there listening, is I'm assuming that most of you are private traders. You're independent. You're working from home. You're working this out. So the idea is to get you thinking about things that you can do in your own home that'll get you better. And and I've, I've, we've got a few things prepared. One of the questions I wanted to go to since we've touched on the psychology of investing was we've had a lot of very unusual events happen this year. I mean, there's been some really unusual events. Really? Like what? <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody had a baby. <laughs> that was... Uh... And had COVID, but did not know he had COVID. He just kept working out. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like a Joe is bulletproof. So if you do trade these events, can you talk about your mindset while trading these unique events and how you might be prepared each day for the unexpected like like it it we don't know what's going to happen and like ft you're good at saying um you know every what's you quote tyson everybody's got a plan till they're punched in the face but i also i've got my own version of that that says you know do you have a plan for the silver platter because there's days there's a silver platter there's things that just really open up but how do you prepare yourself in your mind your mindset for those unexpected days unexpected events Joe, this is all you, man. Let's go. So I think we need to distinguish between the type of events we're talking about. So the election, right, or like a Brexit or something like, let's just say like this this bill, this tax bill, and all of a sudden let's, somebody tries to veto it like Trump did. Um, if this were to happen in like a high volume period, or like it's well forecasted, right? Like, like the, the election and Brexit were like well-known events that were going to be traded and people were voting on all this type of stuff. I think those are different than like opportunistic things that crop up like during the day. So like during the day, all of a sudden you might, it's, it's doing nothing, you know, like the, it's just dead. And then in the ES, it might move like 10 points, 13 points or whatever. And that's like a normal day. And you're just like, okay, nothing's going on. And all of a sudden, bam, something hits. And this thing is just dropping like 100 points. And this happened last week. Um, right. I think those events are different. And I try to take advantage of those events. But I do not generally try to take advantage of like what's going to happen with like the election night voting. And that's more just kind of like playing around type of thing. But I don't get me wrong. Like, I think that people could specialize in doing that. I just think that it's hard. So I think you first need to distinguish between those two. Sorry, Jeff, you're going to say something? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So that's great. But I'm thinking about what do you do up here? Like, how do you go into the day when you, right, that you just don't know what's going to take place. And then, but you got to be ready when it does unfold. Yes. So this is why I wanted to distinguish between the two events first, because I think the events like Brexit and the election can sometimes be more unpredictable, more volatile, and less participation by the, the I would say like the stronger, more firm money might just be staying aside. They're already heads. They're not doing anything. So I don't prepare for those events and I don't really look to trade them. Now the intraday stuff, how do I prepare for it? I don't do anything special. Like I don't, I do my work at night, like looking at the day, sketching out like where the levels are. And, and I'm covering like 
over three sigmas, four sigmas, five sigmas of range. So it could be in the ES, let's just say it covers like 200 points of action, right? And like, I'm doing this every night. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going through 200 points all at once, but it's like stuff that's there from before when it was around that area. And this stuff is there. So I'm prepared for whatever the market's going to do within like a, a 200, 300 point range. And I'm trading my setups like i'm not i'm not changing anything that i do i'm just letting things work like if i could tell that there's volatility and this looks like a breakout and there was like a big balance and i'm, I'm doing all of this stuff ahead every day regardless of what happens when it breaks that balance i'm expecting that that tip to, you know there's going to be a lot of people off sides that's going to start pushing it and as a trader that's when you just you step on the gas you know you put the needles in you just you push it then and it's not like i'm prepared it's just you let it happen and you let you step in the path of luck like you let luck work for you and not always take you out the other way and i don't think you can necessarily prepare for that per se you just need to be prepared for it at all times and it's the it's same mentality of like no go ahead no, I was just going to say it's the same mentality. I don't think it's anything special. I think it's just knowing your setups and knowing like when something changes, like for me, it's like when balance tips to imbalance and I start to see trends, I don't mess with it. Like I just let the sucker like run, like let it work. Push that's it. the case. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good point. I think people, and, and that's one reason I think like FTs talk about homework is so important. The idea. I think too many people, you know, it's like, uh, use an example, a, a guy is a shoe shiner. So he feels like every day he has to be shining shoes or whatever, you're, you're a chef. So you have to be good. Just because you're a trader does not mean that you have to be trading at every moment. You know, Warren Buffett said that nobody, that this is one of the few disciplines where nobody, it, it, you don't get called strikes, you know, like baseball. Uh, too many people, I think, try to trade in balance. I, I'm not interested in trading in balance. I want to trade at places where I think prices are unfair. And I know ahead of time, if I've done my homework, that prices here tested whatever on March 10th. This is what happened, as FT says, a template day. This is what happened the last time prices were there. And I think too many people try to press you know, well, you know, I'm a trader, you know, well, I, you know, it looks like, you know, here's the bottom of a rotation. Take a step back. You do not have to trade. What you do have to, to look at, and I think this is something where an I'm a trader has talked about, you want an edge in your favor. You know, that you are not interested in just continuing to trade. Trade at prices that you think are unfair and wait and see what the market whether it agrees with you or not, subject to certain risk constraints. Just my view. So uh, a couple things uh, to, to just add here, some really great stuff being discussed. You can kind of sense the experience. By the way, Ken, Ken is a fund manager, uh, an active fund manager, so he, he knows a thing or two about uh, managing positions and things like that. Uh, and so there's 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 a dis discrepancy, there's a there's a difference here between say how 10X Joe trades versus Ken trades because Ken is constantly 
looking at value and when it's out of whack in a product like the 10 years where it could sit there and take a while for things to develop. That's just the pace, right? But I think, can you also dabble in the Russell too, which I think is a completely opposite animal. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. Depends uh, whereas, whereas Joe's a, a, I drank the night before. Yeah. <laughs> whereas Joe's a him that question always pushing the action. You know, we're always, uh, Joe and I tr trade kind of the same where, I'll tell you what, with, with surprise moves, just to address this question, uh, and I always like to go last just to t take advantage of what you guys are saying and learn something, but it's it happens in the market, but it's very rare that the market will go into a four-point range and then drop, like Joe says, 200 points and then just stop. Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't, it hardly does that. That change in pricing and the value of the product, because at the end of the day, price is just a vote for value. Uh, that change in pricing has knock-on effects. It generally overshoots, and then the you know cooler minds prevail, come in and buy it back up, and maybe those people who wanted to sell couldn't, and now they want better prices to sell, so you get the continuation trade. So generally, with these unexpected events. I can't predict them, heck, I can't predict anything. But the important part here is to be detached, is not to sit here and go, I'm ex this thing, I see it all the time, like in the Trader Bite and the live chat, oh, this thing is gonna tank next Friday, we will be down 60 points. <laughs> and it's like, all right, I don't know what basis that is, I don't know what the history, of performance history of that prediction is or whatever. So I don't try to predict, but I try to see what is the path if it goes, uh, if it spikes higher or if it falls. And my goal is to trade into that path. So if it drops 200 points and it pulls back, I mean, as soon as it drops 200 points, which I'm usually not a part of, I'm looking for what are the areas where those people who didn't participate, if they wanted to participate in the selling, what are those areas where they're likely, likely, not will, but likely be active. And now I'm flipping over to order flow to see that the markets, they're lifting, lifting, but they're not getting anywhere and they're starting to give up and I'm, I'm gonna go short. Uh, so with the unexpected activities, it's, I don't take advantage of the unexpected event, but I can take advantage of the volatility that ensues. And that creates a lot of opportunity. For most people, however, uh, for many people, it's better to just sit back, just let the market kind of come back to where it is and go on and trade the setups that you're used to. Because not everybody can be that nimble with their execution or have the experience to jump in and still control risk, right? Get out of control when people get involved with unexpected events. That's all I wanted to say about that. Thanks. I just want to throw one last thing in there for preparation, because it goes to what FT was saying about um you know sit back uh just be ready for it i think that one thing you can do to prepare to take advantage of days like like opportunity in general is try to practice your emotional control so when you see things what a lot of traders end up doing is once they see things moving they get too eager and the FOMO comes in and it moved 25 points and it's all of a sudden like, oh, I got to get in and you, and you jump in and 
and then you get in and it's like literally the bottom of the rotation it rolls around you know 10 points takes you out and then you're like you know blah 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 blah. and then you try to get in again after it rolls over patient like it will come like that type of stuff i think you can prepare mentally like try to just work on the whole meditation control awareness and just know your opportunities yeah, and when they show, that's when you step. But don't step if it's not there. You know, like right. wait. And that's hard. Know, don't don't underestimate how hard that is. Right. No, and that's one of the things we were talking about before about edge is you've just taken one of the things that is a great edge for you that you have over a lot of these maybe institutional investors, and you've just gotten rid of it. I mean, that that's something that's profound that you can use and that you should take advantage of. And and when it does happen, happen, you need to get in there. Like, like you can't, you've done all the work you've, you've put in the time. Now, when the opportunity shows up, if it's, if you think about it, if it's really an unfair price, the hundred dollar bills aren't going to lay on the sidewalk for that long. Someone's going to pick them up. So you better jump in and execute and do what you're supposed to do, because that's what you've just done all of that work for to take advantage of that moment. Yoda, did you have something to say? It it sounds like knowing when not to act is more important than knowing exactly when to act is that is that the correct understanding is that in what a way, people are saying that's part of it part of it's recognizing that hey i need to step back here and let things develop but part of it is just executing you know that's the hard thing for people is just to just let it flow it's like music you just let it flow and the only way that does is is by understanding what you're risking how much you're willing to risk uh and then just playing within those boundaries um but you know part of the process is to say whoa this i didn't expect this 200 point drop let me just sit back like we tell people don't trade fomc don't trade unemployment let it kind of settle out and then you'll figure it out. And that's, where psychology, that's where psychology is so important too. You know, if, yeah. you know, use another analogy like about surfing. Okay, you know, you're waiting for the right way to ride out. I mean, if, if you you know you crash, it's okay. You go to the shooting range, you know, whatever, you've got 50 rounds, you know, one after the next, maybe you make half of them. You're not going to beat yourself up over every single one that you miss. You know, it, it's it's a question of of risk, odds, probability, and you, you just have to have the mental discipline or the realization to know that you are not going to get a hundred on every test that you take. Nothing personal. You, it's not you're not a bad person. Didn't do anything wrong. It's just the way the market is. So. I, I've got a question, and I'm going to address um, Rad on this one, um, because all opportunity, and this is kind of follow up into the one I just asked, but all opportunities aren't created equal. Like there's some days it just seems like the market tips your tips its hand, right? And we've had a few of these those lately, at least in the RTY. It just, you know, it just seems it it tips its hand. And I I remember specifically a trader bite. Um, and I, and I guess my question is, is, is how do you trade larger size on those days? Like, what are you doing to really take advantage of that? Because I remember specifically a time where I believe, and I'm, I might not be completely accurate, but I think you were trading normal size, about 48 um, contracts, and you were doubling up, going 96. And you were very specific with looking for something to happen, but you were trading much bigger size 
as I understand, than what you normally would. And on a on a day like that, um, when you're really pushing your edge, it's it's. I'm curious, what what do you require of yourself and the market to jump into something at, at that level? It's been a while since I've traded 96 lots, <laughs> but um, there are days, and anybody that's traded kind of watch day in day out i know everybody here has there are days where it just does what it's gonna do like it just there there are days where it's just easy to read i'm not saying trading is easy don't get me wrong it isn't but there are days where the market will and i'm always looking for this by the way what is it respect what areas does it respect what areas does it kind of just slosh over and it's just not my type of day so i go do something else and you'll see that i'm not as active in the in the head trader channel but there are days where it's you know it breaks out of an area and it just goes like this uh, 3702 today you know just I don't know how many times I tried to, to, to get the long into 3702 and it just stops at 96 and rolls over, but it went to 3702. But there are days where there's just enough activity, like it's moving fast enough, but not too fast. And it's stopping and turning at certain areas that you would expect. The market doesn't do what I want doesn't doesn't even recognize that I'm there. I'm not big enough uh, to stop it. But those days when they show up, you can press. And just last week, the uh, the study hall session on Thursday was, or two weeks ago, was the the trader mindset or the, our psychology session was how to trade, how to think like a big trader. And we talked about how on a on a normal distribution, there are days in the year where you know you get these big losing days big big losing days like lock limit down that sort of stuff that's just going to happen just off your game and there are days where it's big big winners and those days are you know based on my run of uh, historical run it's like somewhere between two and four and a half percent of days in a year of 252 days so it comes out to like 12 or 15 days where it's just big days and I remember when I was a prop trader learning to trade, uh, the guy who who was mentoring me said, look, man, I made, I, I forget what he was made. I think he made like $720,000 last year. I made those in maybe a handful of days that, that year, hmm. trading the Euro stocks 50 at the time. And that's just how it is. When you wreck, get into this flow and you kind of, can see you've seen we've seen joe come in on days and post trades in real time i think anybody at convergent has seen this post trades on re in real time and it's just like okay just picked up 12 points here 14 points there oh got stopped out for a point and a half picked up another 20 here and he's that's a day that flows for him uh and it just happens you kind of align with the market and it just seems I, I I hate to sound negative, but it sometimes seems too easy. <laughs> like, okay, something's going to go wrong here. Yes. It seems too easy, right? Yeah. And I'm saying, you know, it, it's trading is not for everyone, not suitable for all investors, but it just sometimes it just flows. And I've had those dates, you know, my historically, even for my prop traders, they go on, they could go for three months without a losing day, and that's just 
attributable to the fact that they are keenly recognizing when things are flowing for them and keeping their risk low for the opportunities that they go after. Uh, and it, there are just days where it just, it all comes together. And it, and it happens, you know, a handful of times a year. So I'm going to ask a question that I think everybody's asking right now. How do we get into that flow? <laughs> They're all listening. They're all, what do you do ahead of the market? Like, what do you do during the during the day? I, I mean, and I'll second what you say. I, like, sometimes 10x, I look at you trade, and I'm like, I'm thinking it's like a world-class dancer or gymnast. Like, I'm just like, how does he see those levels? And I don't even trade the ES, but it's just like, it's just this, you can see you're in, and that's that flow that I'm, that I'm referencing there. But like, how do you... How do you get into that, and how do you stay on that? Oh boy! Oh, here you go. Here wow! We go. It's called the kind drink. The kind words, guys. Everybody, give the cheers. All right, hang on. Everybody, go refill your beer now. <laughs> go refill your oh, no, beer. No. You're gonna be here a while. <laughs> here you go. All right. Yeah. So, what do you got there, Jess? I got a growler of Pilsner, but I'm waiting until we hit the hour mark before I open oh, it up. Oh my God, that thing's huge. <laughs> You're going to need to take a break here in a minute. Mother's milk in Canada, craft beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So honestly, I mean, some of it is out of the trader's control in a way, right? Because it depends on the environment as well. So it has to be, the environment has to be in lockstep with your style. Um, so that's completely out of your control. I think and any trader, if you've ever played sports, play baseball or something where you just, you don't know when you're going to have a streak or whatever. You just feel it. It's like this intuitive thing where you're just like, man, I just, I can see it. I just know what it's going to hit. Um, I just know when to swing the bat. Like I just, I can feel the game. And I think with trading, it's very similar in that regard. And it's very difficult to describe it. But you just, you get it, and there's something to be said for intuition. And I mean, a lot of great traders will tell you, and, and I know personally myself, that intuition plays a big part in like being in the flow and being just knowing when to take advantage of those opportunities. And when I say intuition, I do not mean trading from the gut. That's not what it's about. It's accumulated experience, it's experiential intuition that's built up from staring at screens every single day day in and day out for years, for years. i mean i've been is looking that the same as muscle memory joe it's just you're doing the same yeah. thing it's just you're not having to think about it it's happening in the back of your mind automatically it's not a gut thing it's still a logical thing but you don't have to think about it and if you do think about it too much you screw yourself <laughs> yeah. up right right like i can't i couldn't tell you how to type like uh i'm going home you know and like typing on the keyboard i'd be like tip 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 but like i could do it you know just i don't know where the letters are i just do it and i think to some extent it's the same thing with trading is that once you once you get into the, like you know what you're looking for and you know like how you trade and those are requisite components i don't think enough people uh pay attention to that they don't know like what they're trading they don't know what triggers a trade for them. They don't know when it looks good, when a setup is like where they're 
stop should be. It's all inconsistent. Yeah. They're like looking at think, different things. And that's a big thing. Like you got to know what you're trading, why you're trading, what triggers it. Once you have those pieces and you practice that consistency, then it's just a matter of like, oh, look, I think it's going to go to 49. When it goes to 49, I'm just looking for that little thing in the order flow, some exhaustion or something, bang, hit it. And then it just turns and it goes your way. And then, oh, I think it's going to go to the VPOC next. And lo and behold, it goes to the VPOC, bounces off. Like it's, And it looks like you have a crystal ball and you're predicting these things. But it's a combination of like experience and like knowing what the market reacts to within the product that you trade. And just letting that, again, letting good luck work for you not just bad luck don't sit there and just bitch all the time and tell me how like you always get screwed over and all this shit because that's crap like you're gonna get screwed over just as much as you're gonna get good you know barely get stopped out it goes 100 points in your favor you just don't sure. psychologically we don't remember those things well it's one of the issues also of doing your homework you know because if you've done your homework you know what the tendency of the market might be you know that Every time it's gone down, there have been people that have taken it right back up. You're prepared for those situations when they happen. Um, and it, innovation, I think, is really, it, it is important. There is something to be said. Was it uh, Malcolm Gladwell with whatever, the 10,000 hours? You know, there, there is something to be said for spending not just day and week and month, you know, a, after each other, but year after year watching the market. Yeah, I had a question from, uh, good trader in interest rates last week. And I mentioned something about the Russell and I, I'm big on, uh, I mean, obviously besides short term, you know, intraday trading, I, I do look at spreads and other markets, you know, I, you know, because investing, it's a macro picture and one product or one security does affect another product or another security or another market. And, I look at the underlying sectors and whatever index. And I said, well, you know, we're looking at the Russell and energy has just really gotten whacked. So I'd, I'd be careful. And so smart question. Well, you know, you said to look at the sectors. Energy is only, you know, two or three percent of the Russell. You know, why does that make a difference? Well, it's, it's from sitting here year after year after year, knowing that if, Funds are flowing out of energy. Where are they likely to go? What are they likely to support? Would it be financials, which are another sizable component of the Russell? Uh, so there's just this interplay between different sectors. And I think one of the ways you do it besides experience intuition is doing your homework, knowing what you're looking for, you know, like in a battle, you know, well, we just won this town and whatever, World War II, where do we go next? Well, we know where we're going next because every night for the last six months, we've been figuring out what our goal is, how best to get there, how likely it'll be that we arrive there. I know, uh, just one thing, Jeff, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, somebody is asking, how do you get into that flow? Or it's, an incredibly hard thing to describe. This is a discussion I've had with many traders, including my own. But the example that uh, Joe gave, you know, uh, of typing out whatever the phrase was, I'm coming home or whatever, like to think through that, that's a, something that's very common that we have to deal with. For example, um, a golf swing, you know, 
ask a golfer to describe every phase of their golf swing, you just screwed them up for the next month. <laughs> they're not gonna, they're not gonna hit well because all of a sudden they've shifted a uh, subconscious muscle memory based execution to a thought process. And that's like the fifth stage of competence where you can do that and flip back very easily. It's very hard to do. Uh, another example is like, well, I'll use another golf example. You know, when somebody comes up in the in the Masters and they're teeing up um, and they're teeing up, they don't just walk up, grab a club and just go. They usually sit back, fix their gaze at wherever they want the ball to land. They may take a couple of practice swings and then they step up to the ball and beat the crap out of it. Right. And that is that is what that is what I'm seeking to do with the trader bite, but in a very wrong side of the brain kind of process, because there is no other process, is to get into that, hey, this is where it might go if we go here or there or whatever, so that I'm prepared for that. It's better for me to do that than to come in with nothing. Come in and be like, okay, I've got a, I've got, you know, a 400 yard a uh, hole and it's got a dog leg left and there's a bunker on the right. Let me just let me just hit it. It's it doesn't work very well. So the process of getting there has has several components and the biggest one of which is repetition. You you cannot sit here and sit on a simulator for 12 years and consider that that's really training for trading. You've got to trade. You've got to go and repeat. What, in a way, what you have to do is get numb to the execution process so that other parts can start doing the thinking for you in terms of refining the execution, getting rid of the errors. And hey, I think this is going to go up. Before you even finish the sentence, you're long. <laughs> you know, a lot of people have a hard time with that. Most people are like, Hey, I think this is going to go up. You know, the market pushes up and it pulls back and it pushes up to the same high, it pushes up to the same high, higher lows. And like, I think I think it's going to go up. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm going to wait for another higher low. There are no more higher lows. It's right against the high. And it takes off. And then they're like, see, I knew it. I knew what it was going to do. And it's like, that's what they remember. The fact is, you got to do it. You could still lose. Because yeah, there are a lot of components that can go wrong, but you've got to just do it, and that's a piece. That's a piece of muscle memory that you pick up by just doing it. Uh, most people are afraid, and that's why having these micro products is very important. That's why, you know, the success of the small exchange is very important. I think for all of us in futures, we want these small products that we can actually uh, work with that teach us that muscle memory at the lowest cost while being live. One of the first things we we always did with brand new traders in prop is to just have them get in and out of trades without a plan, without a risk, you know, with a daily loss limit, you just sit there all day getting in and out of trades, just becoming accustomed to seeing how the market fills you for a tick or you take a tick loss, fill for a tick. And it's just you're trying to numb that whole anxiety and overthinking of execution. And a lot of people who do this on their own, uh, a retail or independent or whatever you want to call traders, uh, most people who are here, 
don't really get that chance to numb themselves. At the end of the day, we can talk all we want, but it's how you execute. And the best way to execute is to formulate a plan, wait for the market to give you just enough input to act and just act. There is nothing I can do once I put a trade on that would guarantee me a win versus what you can do after you put a trade on to guarantee you a win. There's nothing I can do. It's really in the market's hands and all I can manage is how I scale out, how I stop out, and that's it. The outcome is what it is. And this is not sexy to sell. I can't go sell a course talking about this and get a lot of buyers. What is sexy to sell is here's an, indicate, an indicator or a line that if you do X, Y, Z, it'll give you a return of 75%. I won't substantiate it with actual documents, but I'm going to tell you it's 75%. But then as soon as you, know, you get excited, you'll probably, most people will get like two, three wins out of that, but then they go into this drawdown and then all hell breaks loose and they want their money back and things like that. So it's better to approach trading the way we're talking about here as kind of a process that you have to understand and refine. You have to do that day in, day out. It takes a lot of time and dedication and grit to do this, okay? I think too, for those that are out there listening and you're hearing this talk about flow and, and uh, intuition, as you might, some people might say implicit learning. I, one of the things I see that newer traders or struggling traders are making is they're, they're kind of all over the map in different products. Like you got, it's like an athlete who says, well, I want to be an athlete, but I'm going to go and swim and then I'm going to golf and then I'm going to go snowboard and then I'll go do jujitsu. But somehow I'm going to become really proficient at every single one of them like i would recommend just stick to one product like find something that fits with your personality and then get to learn it where you you do start to feel it like you do start to kind of get in the flow like you understand that you know it's going to move so much and it reacts really well this way and it doesn't react really that that way like like the russell it trends really well intraday and then it runs into these high volume nodes like a wall and and I think a lot of people don't give themselves time to really get in sync with the product they're trading because they're bouncing all over the place. I just wanted to put, I, throw that out there. I agree with that, Jeff. I want to throw one thing in there, though, with um, I don't think it needs to just be one product. And I know a lot of people advocate this and I know why. But let me be clear. I think it should be either one product like you stick with like the ES or you stick with RTY or something or one style, one, like let's just, and by style, let's say you are a breakout trader, right? I, I think you could trade breakouts in equities and I don't think you need to restrict yourself just to Apple, right? Or just to Tesla or whatever. You could trade breakout. You could do screens and trade, you know, look for breakouts across all the you know the university s p 500 or whatever it might be but if you're going to do that stick to one style so you're just trading this one thing and you're just going to become an expert at it and it doesn't need to be a single instrument it doesn't need to be apple or es or this it could be just breakouts right i understand in futures why people want to stick to one product because the way that we're trading the intraday with order flow and all of this stuff it makes sense to do that but I just want to throw it out there as an alternative for the guys that are trading equities 
you know, you can do this with equities too. Just don't be trading breakout equities, momentum equities, uh, long, short portfolio and, you know, reversion trades. Don't, don't complicate it. Stick to one thing, one style, one mechanic. Some some good points. So we're we're on the hour mark, and I know we could keep going. I if that's fine with me on my end, but I I just I got another question, and then I think we should give Yoda a chance to hear from some of our, of our audience. And it's this: What steps would you take to make a good trader a great trader? So somebody who's already, you know, they're profitable, they've gotten their head stuff sorted out. But what steps would you take to to take a good trader and make them a great trader i think that's an ft question that's there we go Joe question i'll go last that's all three of you that's an Joe, all three of you Joe, question nephew, all three of you are great trader, traders wants to be a much better <laughs> trader what do you tell them joe what do you say go sell so <laughs> hold on guys yeah. um <laughs> i know the hour mark is here i'm putting my mic on mute and pouring a beer so That's I think sure. I think you need to define like what great is like is great. Are we talking about just pushing your P&L? Are we talking about getting better expectancy? I, I mean, great could be a a very vague moniker, but let's just say you're what just you trying to really push us? yourself to become the best trader you can. And you yeah. know, obviously, we all measure ourselves by P&L in the end to some extent. Like that's the scoreboard. Like if you don't make money, like I'm sorry, you can't be you can't be that great of a trader, right? So let's just say the first thing I would say is you have to look at somebody's size, like where are they trading, how are like the products that they're trading, could they trade more size? A very good trader might trade you know, a size that's comfortable with him. Maybe pushing that comfort zone comes to pushing the size, you know, taking on a little bit more risk. Um, I wouldn't, I think it's, you've got to be very careful with like trying to tweak the strategy like, oh, well, let's just push your R a little bit. Because you got to realize, like, when you start pushing somebody's R factor, it's not just, like, just push that throttle down and nothing else moves, right? Like, you start pushing the R up, you're going to push your win rate down. And your win rate might affect your psychological state of being. You might not be the type of trader that likes to lose, you know, less than half the time or win, you know, more than that or whatever it might be. So I think you have to be careful with some of the mechanics. I think a lot of times... Being a good trader, taking it to the next step is about pushing your size. Um, I think once you've kind of done that and you sort of feel like you're in the like a good risk control area with the product that you're in, I think the next logical step is like, let's see if there's any lateral moves. Like, let's see if your skill set can be broadened. So like right now you're trading futures. Let's just say you're an S&P trader. You trade uh you know, the ES or the micro ES or whatever it may be. Maybe there's some corollaries that you can do like now in options. Let's widen your time frame a little bit. Maybe you can use the same type of market profile to not only have the intraday book, but you have like a higher time frame book where you're taking those same ideas, same concepts, not really changing all of that, but just applying it more broadly and getting your increased exposure that way rather than putting it on, you know, going from a uh, 25 lot to a 50 lot to a hundred lot, which might just be really uncomfortable for certain traders. So in my opinion, that's, that's where, that's how I would go from good to great, you know, broaden that exposure first, increase size, and then broaden your exposure, try to increase your, uh, 
your fragile your anti-fragility for all of you Nassim Taleb fans trying to make yourself able to react to not only like the fast bowl and stuff that we've seen happen this year but the contraction in bowl that we saw in like 2016 to 18 what are you going to do in that i mean you can't trade the same right yeah no i i'll jump just jump in for very briefly before ft does um i i'd just be very very simple about it to me it's a foundation and you have to build it's like the stage one two three four of competence you have to have the, the building blocks set first you have to have your discipline in control. You have to be patient. You have to respect your risk. And you have to have a plan. You have to know exactly what you are going to do. You know, if this happens, if that happens. If you had any of those that are out of sorts, then it makes it that much harder to progress to the next level. I mean, making money is important, right? But one of the first things I learned early on is it's the process that you should emphasize not so much the money that's the cart before the horse and i think once you have control of those basic things you can go trade anything anywhere and because you know you trust yourself you know what you'll do and it makes you that have that much more ability and confidence in yourself to go to the next product or the next level ft these institutional guys always have to bring up Nassim Taleb <laughs> as part of the conversation. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not the biggest Taleb fan. Like, there's a lot, like, I think he's a pompous ass, to be frank. Like, reading his stuff, it can take a little bit to dig through, but and some of the ideas are the same ideas, just regurgitated over and over again. But I do think there's something to, like, thinking in probabilities, randomness, and this whole anti-fragility concept. For like traders out there that don't know these things, you know, I think you should at least like dip your toe into like learning some of that stuff. I do think that's valuable. It could have been a Sorry, 10 page, I had to, could have been a 10 page pamphlet instead of, you know, a series of four or five books saying the same thing. He's got to make money somehow. Oh, okay. um, you know, the the Joe covered it all uh, and so did Ken, but but I want to I want to bring your attention to an analogy that I, I used to always like to use. Uh, you just got a nice um, home theater system, and it's got a lot of power. And what most of us would do is put on our favorite piece of music. So we've we've chosen something that we believe is perfect. It's got high fidelity, and it's just a beautiful uh, piece of music. Okay. This is what we try to do as traders. We're really perfecting all the pieces that make up an orchestra. That is, you know, our entry, our uh, directional bias, context, our psychology, all that stuff. So here we have our orchestra of little pieces of our mind and our execution and trading process. You put in, you put in, you 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 play the song, and there's a point where as you turn up the volume on this thousand watt system, it sounds incrementally better and better and better. And then there's a point where it just starts getting distorted. And generally, that's when you're trading too much size. My priority as a as a prop shop uh, operator, manager, owner, whatever, is to find the bands that are doing well and in a controlled way turn up the volume 
there's a point, and you don't know where this point is, where the music starts to distort. And what happens is you immediately have to turn it back down. And now you've established for now at that uh, trader's level of competence and their capabilities, you've reached a threshold which over time actually expands, almost like a, a music system that, that gets better over time, which doesn't really happen. But but you don't want to turn it way up. What happens with most people is they start to make a little bit of money. You know, they're banging away with one lots and they're they're risking a point, getting a point, and they, they put together, you know, a 10% return in a month or something like that on a $2,000 account, right? And using a whole lot of leverage. Um, and then they start going, you know, I feel good about this. I'm going to go and tomorrow, you know, I can just feel like I've cracked it. I'm going to go and trade five lots tomorrow. And the first couple of trades are okay. And then it starts to get distorted. And then you get this implosion where all of a sudden they're put on 20, 25, 30 uh, at $400 margins, which is crazy. And then they blow up really quick. Uh, our goal really as traders is to find something that works and apply it in one of two ways, like Joe said. My preference is to increase, incrementally increase the size through earned value of the account. So we'll keep adding as we earn enough margin or I deposit more money to cover the margin. We wanna keep that margin requirement the same. Or you work on something that works well and then you go and find where does it, where else does it work well? I'll give you an example. I had a trader who is really good at DAX, so it wasn't too much of an adjustment for them to go to the Russell 2000 when it was on ice, uh, or the uh, S&P mid caps, or something similar, the Nasdaq, and so on. And they they could watch multiple screens, and they're looking for a very specific thing, and they have this broad a range of, of instruments that they can trade and there's always a trade. So they have, you know, 20, 30, 40 opportunities a day sometimes. But the easiest thing to do is just to take what's working, see a positive expectancy and just turn up the volume a little bit and then a little bit and a little bit. And after a while, when you've started to make the turn and, and feel confident, and this really, the level of confidence is so understated. The more you are confident, the more your execution is better and the more the process is very clean and very flowy and very pure. The less confident one is because of losses or just being underfunded or many other factors, the harder it is for them to pull the trigger because every trade matters. Every loss has such a huge impact on their confidence. So you want traders to be consistent with their process, get really comfortable with that process. And then on days where the market's really going your way, you wanna just shove them to keep, to push their limits and have a breakthrough day. That's how we make a good trader great without knowing a clear definition of great. I would say perfect execution is always the, the best, um, is, is always the key goal. You want to execute as perfectly as possible. That increases your confidence. It increases your alignment with the market. And then as a result, you get returns on that, hopefully. Uh, so I hope that answers your question there, Jeff. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. That's uh, that's all really good stuff. 
I'm just looking at the time and you know what, this could almost be my fireplace in my house and I'd totally just chill. And I mean, where what, what else are we going to do? We're in COVID, but I, I've got a ton of more questions, but I'm sure audience has some questions. Yoda, is there anything that's jumping out that we should yes. be uh, trying to answer here? Yeah, we have a number of great questions. Unfortunately, we're not going to get to all of them, but this one is from Chile. He's saying greetings from Chile. One question is, how do you guys handle the psychology when you are in a drawdown? I'll throw that up to all of you. You're going to have to. Oh. Maybe you never have a drawdown. Maybe that's the answer. Right? Oh, everybody's had a drawdown. <laughs> go, Joe. I'll, I'll go first. So, you know, it. they never get easier. So it's like you think that like eventually like it's just going to feel good when you're like losing money. It, it never does. It always sucks. Um, I think one way that I like to deal with it is, and this isn't just because of drawdowns, but this is also as a general procedural thing. I think keeping good records is important. And if you keep good records and you can... Over time, you can see, like, you know, I, I usually go into a drawdown every, you know, once every two months or once every three month quarter or whatever it might be. I think that allows the trader to start to feel comfortable, like, ah, it's another one of those periods, like, but they come around. I know I, this happens historically. And, like, I know when that happens to me, and I'll see, like, you know, oh, I lost seven trades in a row or something like that. It's just a, it's just a bad week. But if I can look back at my stats and my record keeping and still doing the same things, then you can sort of try to disentangle. Like, is this, is this just variance or am I, is like, like, is the market just not in tune with me? Like, because this just, it's not in tune with my style. And then you can get, you can sort of feel more comfortable with that. The statistical basis of it. I think that, that stuff will help you not only like when you're in a drawdown, it will also help you like during all the other periods when you're actually on a winning streak and start to see like, oh man, I'm really, I'm really doing well here. And you feel good about your trading. I think always going back and grounding yourself in those numbers, I think could be really helpful from a mental state. But what you're really trying to get at is like when you feel like crap, like how do you like disentangle yourself from like going on tilt? This is where like, you know, a lot of people talk about meditation and, and, and all of this. And I think meditation could be very helpful in many elements, many realms of your life. It could be being aware, mentally aware of how you feel at any given moment is an excellent skill to have in life in general. If you think you're going to go, you know, subscribe to Headspace and that's going to automatically like make you a better trader, that's that's not going to happen. But what it may do over time is allow you to become more aware of your emotional state. If you are aware of that, then I think you can, I, at least me, I like to physically distance myself from the keyboard, like the screens. I can't, I'm too much of a like market junkie. Like I'll sit here and I will find the trade and I'll keep pushing it. You know, and I'll, I'll, I could go on tilt, you know, one after another, after another, if I sit there and, and let myself do it. So I, and I, I don't know how other, tra all other traders are, but for me, when I feel like I'm in that like drawdown, just 
dour mood, I, I think it's really important to just physically distance yourself. Give that space. Don't watch the market. And then, you know, when you're in downtime, when the market's closed on the weekend or something like, then look at those stats that I was telling you to make sure you're always recording just as a good trader and try to ground your process and see like, just give yourself that comfort and understanding that things will turn around because the hardest thing in this business, the absolute hardest is that on the luck skill continuum, there's a tremendous amount of luck involved in the day-to-day -day process of trading. It's not like chess. Like you're not going to just all of a sudden like have this, like build up this skill set and then never lose. Like, and if you think that that's the case, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Like you're just going to feel like crap when your expectations aren't met because it's not realistic. So like understanding variance and getting comfortable with with like what is a good trade what is good process what is good out like you want to be tracking process like outcomes and process together like was this a good process good outcome good process bad outcome bad process good outcome bad process bad outcome keeping track of that stuff i think is important it will help you ground yourself yeah and you have to approach it as a business too i think so many people think oh man you know they're, they're just multi you know with the es they're multiplying 12 50 times how many ticks they're going to make on the next trade i mean that that's not it um you know it's funny i've mentioned several times before some of the best trades i think you know i'll, I'll just sit there and wait and it'll get to a certain level and you know man this this is simple I, you know can't wait to gets there take the trade it's a loser then another one well gotta take it because it's hit my level you know i there's no way this is going to work. It turns out to be one of the biggest winners. So understanding that, not to talk about Taleb anymore, but the markets are random. You, you cannot tell, you can try as much as you can through doing homework, research, preparedness. You can shift the odds and the probabilities in your favor, but there's no way to guarantee. You know, you can, if a trade is right 90% of the time, you can look back at historical statistics. You cannot guarantee that the next trade that you take is not going to be that one in 10 that doesn't work. You just have to accept that's the nature of the business. I, I want to say something too to the guy from Chile. I, I, I think if you're into, let's just call it a psychological drawdown where your mental capital is actually drawn down it is good to just step away from the screens, take a break. I mean, nobody's holding a gun to your head to trade. That's one of the advantages of trading from home. You don't have to put your money to work. You can just step away, take a break. Um, I've found in the past, focusing on things I'm grateful for has made a huge difference for me, a huge difference. Um, that that can take you out of a dark place pretty quick. It, it, you know, Cause there's days, sure, that you can feel really freaking beat up, man. And you've done everything right. And that's the tough part in this game is you do everything right and you still lose money. And so if you get to that place, you know, you don't always, you don't have to show up and trade. You can just step away, take a, take a week. I did this not too long ago. I just got away for about three, four days. And I'm just like, I don't want to look at the markets. I don't want to have anything to do with the markets right now. I just want to do it. And I'll do the same thing. I unplug hard at night. 
come, I get my homework out of the way and I'm done. I don't want to look at the screens. I, I learned that when COVID first broke. I don't want to be trading through the night or doing any of that. I, I need to be stepping back and unplugging. And I find those are things that, that really help. Well, and a gratitude journal, that's that's a good thing. But you know, if none, I'll give you a tip. If none of those work, I think it might be best. I mean, it always helps me go home and beat the kids and then go try to rob a liquor store. I mean, that's, you know, if everything else fails. And then get drunk afterwards. <laughs> there you go. Perfect night. Yeah. Um, when When people are saying get away from the screen, it's not for the next trade, the next hour, really is important to walk away and allow yourself a reset. And in my opinion, nature works in streaks. You know, things happen in streaks. You have to break a streak and, and you have to take some time off. And the longer, you don't want it to be too long, but it just needs to be long enough that the sting of a bad day goes away. But I'm going to tell you that I've seen, you know, with my involvement with brokerage over the last, whatever it is, eight, nine years, I've seen people take a huge hit, come in, put more money in, and they don't change anything, which to me just seems like a gamble. A lot of this, a lot of this is a lot is like uh, going to a casino, placing bets, placing bets, betting bigger and bigger and losing, figuring, hey, this thing's got to pay out, right? There's this uh, this idea that it's going to, you know, the more you lose, the more likely it is it's going to pay out. But nature has a way of just continuing the losing streak. And then what ends up happening is they end up just, instead of saying, you know what, I've got a couple hundred bucks left, I'll keep it, I'll come back in a couple of days, I'll enjoy the hotel, go catch a show or whatever, they actually start taking other people's chips and just throwing them everywhere and, and beating up the bouncers and, you know, whacking the old lady who wants some money. This is kind of the behavior people do privately on their trading account. And they get booted from that casino. So then they show up some other time with a new stake and then they do the exact same thing again with every loss, like every big loss. There are some things to take away. One of them you cannot control, and it's the randomness of the market. The second is the regime or the quality or the style of the market. That's A market is good for certain traders at certain times, and it's not at other times. So high volatility regime, I might kill it. In a six-point environment over the summer, I might just you know, beat my, beat my head against the wall. I just need to step back and recognize that this isn't my thing. This is very abnormal. It's not my thing. I need to just sit back or what I prefer to do is go find something else to trade. That's one of the beautiful things about futures. I might look at an, a different product. Um, and then you need to come back. Once you've done that, you need to troubleshoot. It's a business. You know, a, a portion of your business has failed. Something has failed. You took big losses. As a business owner, you don't come back in, open the store, and just do the same thing over again. You need to not change your trading plan, but you need to put something in place that says, okay, I need to recognize when this is happening sooner. What can I do to, to do that? And the biggest thing for drawdowns is people don't accept the fact that losing is just a part of this. You've got to be absolutely rooted in the fact that you're going to lose. Why? Because if you cannot lose, you cannot play. 
because the idea here is the stop is just your ticket, the value of the stop. So I want to play this hand on the table. I have to put up what's called the ante in a poker table, and that ante may be 500 bucks. I'm putting it on a table, and I shouldn't be putting it on the table if I'm not willing to lose it, depending on the cards that I get and the luck that I have in this next hand. It's my ability to purchase, your stop is your ability to purchase the right to participate in this one setup. That's all it is. People have a hard time seeing that. So they focus their attention on not losing, but that's a losing battle. I, I just cannot imagine that a trader will become successful by refining and refining and refining and refining until they think they've refined away uh, the, the, the fact that they're going to lose. And what you want to do, your, our job is to take the cost of participating, our stop, including our commissions and everything else, it's all part of the cost, get to the point where you can refine it to the point where you can get the maximum for the loss. So if I'm putting pushing $500 on a table for this one trade, I really would like to get you know, $750, $1,000 if I'm right. If I'm wrong, fine, take my 500. No, it's, it's a random outcome. It's okay. It's, I can live with it. And I only have so many times in a day that I can put $500 on a table and so many times a week and so many times a month before I have to stop. My budget is done for the day, the week, the month. And I got to wait for the cycle to come back and for me to start over. Um, most people don't see it that way. They see a, a loss as a failure. You failed as a human being, as a person. You failed. You suck. That's why you lost. And so they spend a lot of time avoiding sucking. <laughs> or looking but, for another tool, right? Like saying, yeah. oh, I don't have book map. Maybe I should get book map. I don't have IRT. Maybe I should get IRT. I don't have... What am I missing that the next guy has that I don't have? And I should go crypto. I should trade crypto. Maybe I should yeah, do some exactly. Tesla. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Instead of taking a step back saying, look, just, you know, it's like a business being honest with yourself. Look, some, something's not clicking. It's going to help me to figure out what it is. And I'm, I'm either not going to trade or I'm going to trade very light until I figure out what it is. Reduce your size. I trade micros. Yeah. yeah. I trade micros uh, on days where I know I'm not focused and I'm not in line and it's not really my. Why am I going to put more on the table than I have to? Just go trade micros or don't trade. But that's the big and thing. Keep, go ahead. Keep good records. If you have no records, you are not a professional. You're not running a business and you're going to have no idea why whatever happened to you, happened. <laughs> what needs to be adjusted? It's kind of like uh, running a fishing trawler out there and you go out there and you don't know why you're not catching any fish and you're losing money every day. You go out there and you're losing 10 grand a day because of your crew, but you're not tracking what, you know, what is in the area, what what you caught last time, what adjustments need to be refined. You may go out and spend more money on a different crew. You may go out and get a bigger ship. You may go out. It's unless one knows what's what all the pieces are, it's hard to adjust because it becomes 
random corrections on random outcomes in a random market. And that puzzle is unsolvable. It's it's a it's like a mathematical problem with three unknown variables. Too, too you cannot variables. solve it. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and you're never to be clear. Sorry, go can go. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say you're never going to know the answer. You're never going to know for certain, like with a hundred percent clarity, that like your drawdown is due to the market not being your regime, or you're not going to know this stuff, and you just got to be comfortable with like getting some degree of like cert like some degree of certainty that this is likely the market it's not my style it's not that me it's just my style doesn't fit with this regime therefore i need to step back or you might say this is all me i'm psychologically you know seeing at the gambling table pushing chips forward and wasting you know just wasting money like these things are not gonna it could be a combination of both and that's why i think taking a step back you have to look at and, and being patient I think, guys, I think we're starting to run out of time. This is all See good that? stuff. What's that you got there, Ken? Hold it up. Let the trade come to you. Don't create it. FT71. We have the same handwriting, for God's we sake. Do. Okay. <laughs> know how long that's been on there? I'm like, did I write that for you? <laughs> no. You Sometimes, and I don't care what your skill level is, you know, you, you just have to be straight with yourself. You know, we're fortunate to be in an industry or discipline where you do not have somebody standing over top of you asking about meeting your quota or were you there at seven in the morning when you said you would be. You have a lot of latitude. And because of that, take advantage of it, give yourself structure and, and give yourself the best odds for success. And it makes it harder because you're- And if you don't, if you don't take advantage of it, that very characteristic will be what burns you. The fact that somebody's not looking over your shoulder, the fact that somebody's not making you do that, very that's true. what's gonna burn you in the end if you don't turn it to your favor. Exactly. And, and to all of those that are listening, these are the guys that you're trading with or against. They're the professionals, this is what they're doing. This is the kind of work they're putting into it. This is the guys you're going up into there. So don't think you're gonna get, you know, pissed drunk that night and then come in the morning all hung over not doing your prep and going to trade or whatever version of that you want to make where guys just seem to come in and just want to throw stuff around you're going up the best you're going up against the best in the world you need to be the best but you don't have it. to be you don't have to be the greatest this isn't the nba or uh the, you know global soccer or whatever you don't have to be the best you don't have to be the best you don't have to be the worst you don't have to be the best you, there's a lot somewhere in the middle it's kind of like from that movie what is it hitch you know the guy's doing all these dance moves and he goes you're right here man this is your spot right here <laughs> right here this, this show, us good moves. show us some moves show us some moves yeah just find find some space like carve out some space in the middle and make it yours one of the things that i want to make sure that uh, we, you know everybody's aware of we're doing this initiative next year called trade right i'll be talking about it a lot and part of the process you know we'll discuss this with the members separately but part of the process is this these steps that we are getting everybody who takes this 30-day challenge which starts february 1st uh as part of the initiative you have to do all of the things that a professional has to have in place to run their stuff like a business. And that's, you know, the business planning, 
the, the self-assessment questionnaire and all the little pieces, you have to do that for yourself. You're going to have to sit down and figure out. I know, I know brokers make it easy to get connected and to have a platform and to have your, the ability to click away. That's great. But that doesn't work to your advantage. You still need to sit down. If you're serious about this, and if you're not, and this is just entertainment, that this, this doesn't apply to you. But if you're serious, you're going to have to sit down and say, what am I what is my objective here with trading? What am I trying to do? Am I trying to replace the income from my current job, which took me, you know, five years of college and 10 years of experience to make money at, real money at? What am I looking to do uh, with this business? And then how, how do I define what my market should be, what my product should be? How much money am I putting down? How much, does, how much risk does that money buy for me? Because that's what we do with risk. We're buying the opportunity. That's what risk is. Um, things like that. So we're doing this trade right initiative with a 30-day challenge that starts in, on February 1st for members. Uh, that's the sort of thing you need, to, you need to do. You need to find somebody you're accountable to. That's another big piece. You need to be accountable to someone. That's the biggest thing that makes a difference for a guy like Joe or Ken or anybody that's been in an institution or on a trade desk or whatever. When you get indoctrinated, you're you're really beholden to, to what you're doing. I mean, you're going to get hammered and yelled at and whatnot. If your performance sucks, you know, worst case scenario, you just get, you get tossed. You're out of here. Uh, but for someone who puts up money and kind of trades on their own, there's not that accountability. So find, find that accountability either from yourself, from your uh, spouse, partner, whatever. Uh, try to find some way to be accountable this year in 2021 because the goal for this year is, is, is holistic improvement. Uh, and, and we're, starting that out with this fireside chat just wanted to make that known we want you to make a difference we want you to get better uh, and that's just part of the process a lot of the advice that was given here today is really aimed at that everybody here is giving you the best that they can offer in terms of words uh, and, and talk and to get you to recognize this for what it is as opposed to see, sitting here and saying oh convergence best thing ever for 99 bucks a month you're going to be a great trader it's not true. You have to do the work. You have to do the work. You have to have the support. You have to have the accountability. Um, and all these things come together to hopefully help you see results. Okay. You know, speaking of that too, just to, to finish up with, with my part, uh, I guess folks that have followed me for some time on Convergent and wherever else before that, what I usually post at the end of the year is to go back through the entire year look at what your performance has been. Joe's talked about having a record, need to do that. What trades worked, what trades didn't work? What time of day worked, what days of the week, whatever. Go through, spend time, figure out where your weaknesses were, where your strengths were, and decide on improving on at least one area. But you have to go, if you, in order to know where you're gonna go, You've got to have a good understanding. How do you set a goal in? without having that, right, Ken? I mean, go. how do you set goals for the year? And this year, I'm going to make 400 grand this year. That's my goal. How much did you make last year? Oh, I lost 50. <laughs> You're going to do that. See, and that yeah. more, that's, that's why I say it, too, because I know so many people just come in. Oh, man, it's a new year. It's January 1st. We're, 
it, you know, you, you can't do it. It's not, this is not done because you want to do it. It's done because you put the work in and you're, you, you're disciplined and you try. And I'll give you the example, one, one quick example. I don't trade on the beginning of the year uh, or the beginning of a quarter, period. I, I've lost money. I, I'm probably down nine out of 10 times, 90% of the days. So, I feel the same way about rollover. Yeah, that's something <laughs> I, I, I know. And the only way that I would have gotten to that point is, as Joe said, I've had a record and I spend time on it and I make notes. So learn about yourself. Take the time before the year starts. You've got a, a great It's been a rotten year for many people. You've got a great chance to turn over a new leaf, go back and look at what you've done, what's worked, what hasn't worked, and decide what you're going to do to have different results in the future than some of the ones that you've had so far. Very cool. Yeah, that's great. Guys, I think we should wrap up. Yes. I, um, I definitely uh, have enjoyed this. I feel like I can just keep talking, have you all over for a while. And, we don't and, want to see you drunk. We just yeah, it would end we up should that wrap way. up. Soon. We should wrap up. Before the yes. alcohol kicks in on that big <laughs> guzzler that you had. <laughs> that is a huge guzzler. That's, that's, uh, that's Canadian craft beer right there. And to the audience, um, all those traders out there, you know what? A shout out to you guys for showing up and for listening, being open to new ideas and for putting in the work. At the end of the day, this is a high performance endeavor and um, you know, hats off to all of you guys for, for trying to make the best of yourselves. And Unless anybody else, else has anything else to say. I, I was gonna say one thing and that is that if folks are not already at Convergent, you know, we're glad to help. Uh, you know, it's the, maybe it's the pay it forward type of attitude, but if, if you want, uh, FT has mentioned there's a new product on the small exchange. I trade a lot of treasuries. That's where my focus has been. And there's a new yield product for the 10-year treasury. We're going to be focusing on that as the year starts. So cool. if you're not at Convergent, come on over and we'll do whatever we can to help. Cool. I'd second that. Very cool. Thanks, for, right. thanks for having us on. Happy thanks, holidays, Ken. guys. Thanks, Murad. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Happy Yoda, holidays, for everyone. Out. Happy holidays and uh, and wishing you all a, a fantastic Just 2021. You, Stay safe, and yep. we'll catch you. We'll catch you in a couple weeks. Take care. Take care. Well, happy holidays, guys. Cheers. Cheers. We're done there. Uh no, it's still still on for some reason. I don't have the termination screen. Uh, Yoda, you still around? Yodes? That's hilarious. Well, this thing's the real party alarming. start now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now that everybody's gone, how about that yeah. indicator? That <laughs> makes how about that holy grail? How about that holy grail <laughs> indicator? <laughs> How did yeah. that work again? I don't know how this thing. Oh, that was is... the one you just keep adding to losers. Wasn't that the one? And then eventually it all comes back and you saves just keep, you. <laughs> you just keep piling on. Let's not say that. People will actually do keep it. Keep doing it, guys. Um, yeah. All right. I don't know right. what's going on here, but you can drop exactly. off. Thanks so much. for yeah. and, and Jeff. Jeff, yeah, just yeah. hit the file exit. and uh, I'll try it here from my side. Right. Exit and webinar.
for all. Yes. Yes. Okay. Done.